This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The whole uh, discussion about the um, the plane that went down in Iran just to have to take off from Tehran's uh, Imam Khomeini Airport and 63 Canadians on that ill-fated flight. We were just speculating. Perhaps uh, there's something nefarious behind it all, but I'll defer to the experts when it comes to ascertaining what might have happened at this early stage uh, without actual evidence from the black boxes, which the Iranians will not hand over, not certainly at this stage. Todd Curtis is one such expert, air safety and aviation expert is the title. Mr. Curtis, good to have you here on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, thanks again for having me. So uh, I guess, you know, We've just sort of speculated as to the uh, prospects of something, you know, sinister behind it all, but uh, you're the expert. So what do you think might have happened here? Well, fortunately, even though there is no black black box information available to the public, there are many uh, photographs and videos that are of the crash site, and it does give us some insight as to the final moments of the aircraft. And frankly, the pictures clearly show that this was a very heavily fragmented aircraft, meaning to me that either it had a very, very, very high energy impact at the ground or it was uh, breaking up before it hit the ground. And there's some other unofficial evidence. Uh, The photographs I talked about were from Iranian uh, government or Iranian news agencies. There's a a video that has not been vetted, which uh, implies that it may be something even more catastrophic going on with this aircraft. Well, now, what do you mean by that? If you can just follow up, something more catastrophic, as in potentially what? Well, this was a video which was posted shortly after the event, uh, allegedly by someone who was on the ground, who I believe is a work is a stringer working for BBC, that shows what appears to be an aircraft descending rapidly in flames before striking the ground. It was a nighttime video. You could see the flames. You could not see the outline of an airplane. But it was certainly in the location and time frame that was consistent with this airliner. And it showed not only a fairly significant piece of flame coming away from whatever this object was, but a few flaming pieces separating from the object before it hit the ground. If that indeed was from the accident aircraft, it would say to me that there was something catastrophic that occurred before it hit the ground. Well, there had been reports that one of the engines was on fire before, I guess, it went off the radar blip, and uh, does that suggest to you that this is mechanical failure of a sort, or uh, could there be some other source for this problem? Well, as with the video, that report of the engine being on fire, that's something that is tantalizing, would definitely point towards something that may involve the engine. But it's important that the official authorities in Iran uh, get the information from eyewitnesses, radar, black boxes, etc., and especially from the ground, if they see pieces of the aircraft trailing back a mile or more from the impact site, that would definitely indicate the catastrophic failure of the system. That would give the public a very good idea of whether or not there was some sort of engine problem before the impact. 
All right. And so uh, this is almost like forensics now. The debris field can give you all kinds of clues. What about the flight pattern? Uh, I was looking at a chart today that shows uh, the speed really hadn't diminished. Uh, I think it was 275 knots at that point, up to 8,000 feet, and it was still climbing. Uh, If there was something catastrophic taking place, wouldn't it just have slowed down or uh, come down in altitude before it finally plunged? I believe the source of the data you were talking about was uh, something that was from a system called ADSB, which, uh, without going into great detail, is something most airliners have that transmits out information like airspeed and altitude. And there's a website called Flight Radar 24 that was quoted by a number of news organizations, which I myself use, which did state those kinds of altitudes you stated. But also in the past, those uh, numbers have changed as they've gone through the data and refined the data to be more in tune with what actually happened. So that Flight Radar, Flight Radar 22, 24 data, rather, did suggest exactly what you said, a normal flight up to about 8,000 feet in altitude. And given the time that the airplane was airborne before crashing, it makes sense that it could have made it to that altitude. But as I said before, I'm going to defer to the Iranian investigative authorities to give the definitive word on what the flight path of that airplane was. Again, with Todd Curtis, air safety and aviation expert, are you confident that the Iranians will uh, be reliable partners in this investigation? I mean, because right now they're not handing over the black boxes or sharing intel with anybody, least of all Boeing or other stakeholders. Uh, Aren't there international protocols that might even suggest you should do that? Well, on the part of the Iranian authorities making statements, there are several authorities that are making statements. I'm waiting for things to settle down a bit. I'm looking primarily to the head of the government and the head of their version of the Transportation Safety Board to state exactly who they'd like to invite. With respect to international protocol, The standard protocol is for the country where the event occurred, Iran, to lead the investigation and to have as partners nations that have a direct stake in what went on. And by standard agreement, that would include Ukraine, because that's the country of registration, the United States as the country of manufacture. And whether or not they will be invited formally, that remains to be seen. For the U.S., uh, typically the NTSB would be the head of the U.S. delegation. They would have as part of the delegation people like Boeing, who are obviously involved with manufacturing the airplane, and any other system that might be important. One of those systems being the black box. Most of them are made by one of several U.S. companies, and if the Iranians are not able to get the data directly themselves, they may have to go either to the manufacturer in the U.S. or to a third country, for example, U.K. or Canada, to get the data from the black boxes. So there's a lot of moving parts, and I'm going to wait and see how those parts uh, end up. Mr. Curtis, uh, in your experience, uh, how would you gauge the reliability of the Boeing 737-800? As I understand, this plane was only two years old. It had been delivered to Ukraine, I think, in 2018, early in 18, I think. This was, if the uh, serial number is correct on the reports that have come out, this was actually delivered in the middle part of 2016. Still a very new aircraft. Ukraine International Airlines is the only owner and operator of this aircraft. This airline has a fleet of a couple of dozen 737 Next Generation. They even have four 737 Maxes on order, to my knowledge. Hmm. And from everything I've seen about this airline, which has been operating since the early 1990s, 
They've been a very uh, reliable airline, haven't had any major accidents in the past, haven't had any controversies with maintenance or pilot quality, et cetera, that I'm aware of. So it will be interesting to see how this pans out, whether or not this was purely an airplane issue, purely a operator issue, or some combination of those two plus other factors which we're not aware of yet. When airlines uh, do have, uh, say, mechanical issues, can it happen at any point, or or is it more prone to happen on takeoff, as was the case in this uh, instant? Well, takeoff and landing are the most hazardous portions of a flight because a lot of things can go wrong, and you don't have the luxury of altitude and time to correct a lot of things. So it's not surprising that this fatal event happened close to takeoff. Whether or not it was something due to events that happened during the takeoff, whether the initiating event happened days, hours, or months prior to the accident, that remains to be seen. What about politically? I mean, Mark Garneau is in charge of uh, transportation. That's the file under which this would uh, be parked. Uh, Does he have a a point to petition the Iranians to gain some kind of, or at least to be a party to uh, gathering intel from, from the black boxes or otherwise? Given the number of Canadian citizens that were victims of this crash, even though it's not um, something that normally happens in an investigation, I think the government of Canada would be in a very good position to ask to have a more direct role in what went on here. Whether or not that would be allowed by the Iranian authorities, again, as with the case with the U.S., it remains to be seen how this will uh, settle. It does remain to be seen. Uh, A lot of questions attendant to this, obviously. It's still early times, but uh, I really appreciate you putting some things into proper uh, expert uh, context because, you know, we were speculating in the event that it might be uh, something nefarious. I mean, are we ruling that out, actually? The investigation is so early in the beginning stages that you really can't rule in or rule out anything definitively. It could be something nefarious. It could be something accidental. It could be something completely out of left field. Uh, There just isn't enough information to point one finger at any one cause just yet. All right. uh, Again, much appreciated. And uh, we'll follow this one, obviously, with uh, very keen interest and uh, see what plays out. Todd Curtis, air safety and aviation expert. uh, Great to have you on the program this afternoon. Well, thanks again for having me. You got it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, the best that we can do for you here in, uh, you know, the 24-hour time frame that uh, since the tragic crash happened and uh, claimed 63 Canadian lives, many of whom, of course, come from these parts, 27 from Western Canada around Edmonton in that Iranian-Canadian community. So now when we've got uh, the situation in the Middle East, I guess, you know, the confluence of these two two things, you've got missiles flying into Baghdad in Let's call it a, well, it's a very calculated uh, move by the Iranian regime by their own admission. You know, and uh, now it's being suggested that this gives an off-ramp to Donald Trump. uh, Rather than being increasingly bellicose or suggesting, you know, ratcheting up the rhetoric and talking about retribution and blah, 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 uh, as well because there were no, no Americans killed and minimal damage to the base. In fact... They're saying it was a patch of sand that basically is where these missiles fell. Of the 15 forward duds and uh, no Iraqis lost their lives, 
The early report said there were. The Iranians, for what it's worth, I mean, it's almost like Kamikal Ali. Remember that guy during the uh, Iraqi invasion back in 2003? No, everything is great. And meanwhile, you know, U.S. tanks are coming up the road behind them. Uh, but you had this foreign minister, I guess, from Iran suggesting that 80 Americans had been killed. That's all for local consumption back in the home front, right? Uh, and that's been more or less uh, accepted as the charade they're playing. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 